I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Self-awareness is known as one of the most important capabilities for leaders to develop. Yet, how do we do this? In this episode, author and economist Victor Pidao focuses on leadership and listening. He explains seven levels of listening and how to shift between listening to yourself, others, and the bigger picture. He shares examples of how to get rid of that noise that we all struggle with in our minds and how to tap into the silence needed for visioning while being responsive to the needs of those around us. His dream is for leadership and listening to impact at a larger scale in organizations, between countries, or even helping to heal our humanity. Enjoy listening in. Welcome, Victor, to the Listen In podcast. It's so nice to have you here with me. Thank you very much. Mm. So, Victor, you and I have, um, have a little history together. We have a mutual friend, Sander, that connected us. And I remember when, when we first met and you shared your story, which I'll ask in a few moments, um, and then you started explaining to me your listening model from your book that I thought, oh, this is really holistic. <laughs> this is um, really breaks things down on in a lot of, you know, different, in, it's to be able to understand things um, at a level, well, this really goes beneath the iceberg, above the iceberg, <laughs> around the iceberg, to understand what really happens and how bigger a listening is than we typically think of at a first glance. And I remember when you were explaining it to me, you said, hey, this is what I've figured out so far, and I'm sure there's more, <laughs> but we'll start here. <laughs> so I remember that too. Yeah. And since then, now we have not only uh, learned about each other and our passion for listening, we have also worked together on developing an executive listening program, which is based on your book and your model in uh, cooperation with Erasmus University in Rotterdam, and have seen as of today, uh, three groups, right, that have gone through and of, of senior leaders and organizations and people getting more excited about listening and with our dream that is growing with others to have more impact on listening culture in organizations. So I'd love to know when you first noticed the impact of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work. Well, we have to go a long way back for this realization. 
and obviously it worked otherwise I wouldn't go through with it but the first time I can remember that it worked was for me as a child of eight years old or something and my father and mother were from a different culture they apparently not really listened well to each other they couldn't and I was a kind of translator between those different kind of language although they speak the same language but with different layers and there I managed to bridge the gap between them understanding them each other but of course as a child you do not really know what you're doing so you do just what you can and when I grew up I realized well there was something in there which I did which helped them to understand each other of course it's not worked out always good for the child to be in the middle of your parents but at least I kept them together <laughs> that was what I thought and it worked out and make me realize that listening to each other is about different layers which you can communicate and if you don't know that you're doing that that you do not understand each other but I figured that out a while later but that was the first time I realized well this is really working if you were to be able to have a conversation with your younger self at this time and you were to be a mentor to your younger self what would you say to this person Victor now I love you and you did a great job it was not your work it was theirs but you found a treasure there and this treasure can be given through to the world so be happy with what you have experienced and how you managed to work it out in understandable language and uh, let's go conquer the world <laughs> nice so this treasure that you have with you today <laughs> that you've brought with us to this conversation today tell me about your treasure hmm. well as you said it's just what I can figure out as far as my consciousness reaches and I'm sure there's even more above and beyond it but for me in understandable language listening is about different layers and it's about different orientations to be exact at this moment as far as I can see seven layers and three orientations and I wrote a book about it and it's called seven levels of listening but the main secret behind it is more about those three orientations and those orientations are that you can listen to yourself you can listen to others and you can listen to the big picture and listening in those three orientations is really different because when you forget to listen to yourself well then you don't know if you listen well to anyone else because you don't know if it's your emotion or theirs if George convictions is standing in the way or that you can really listen without judgment to someone else so 
to begin with, it is so important that you have a really connection with yourself by listening to yourself. And if you're able to do that, then you can start listening to someone else. So let's take that listening to yourself just for a moment so that we... um... I'm just thinking about our listeners listening to what does that really mean in terms of listening to yourself? Can you give me a, tell me a story of a time where you became aware of listening to yourself or where listening to yourself supported you in a communication situation? Well, I'm, I'm a kind of an introverted person. So I always listened a lot to myself maybe more to myself than to others. So I I was always in my own consciousness. What do I feel? What do I think? What do I feel in my body and emotionally? And I managed to, to be creative in myself. I didn't need thoughts of others to, to come up with big ideas or strange thoughts. And also I was able to be, really silent in myself. So I got this whole world of things I could listen to in myself. And for me, it was very natural. But when I started as a psychotherapist to listen to others, I saw that most of them were not really aware of the richness of their inner world. So I figured out how can I explain all those different things you can listen to in yourself, which were for me so familiar, but apparently not for everyone. And then I started to to see my inner world as the same as the inner world of other people, but then from another perspective. And I helped them to discover their own inner world, to listen to their own inner world. And later on, when I wrote it down, I said, well, those perspectives are different. And maybe listen to yourself has to be separated from listening to someone else. So that's why I make this this difference in my book. With listening to yourself, you spoke about that you listen to your emotions, you listen to your thoughts, you listen to the ideas that showed up, even if they might have been... big or crazy or whatever, um, that you had this whole world inside. If you were to help someone to start to listen to themselves, to experience what does that really mean, what's a next step or an idea to get them started on how to do that? Well, as I said, I think it's very important to learn to listen to yourself. You mentioned the training. And that's what we are doing in this training, that we give people such experiences that they can listen to themselves and they discover how they are bound by their own ego parts. And listening to yourself means that you are getting a better picture of your own ego parts because as a psychotherapist, I was uh, thought that our ego is not one undivided thing, but there are hundreds or even more ego parts in ourselves. And all of them have their own ideas 
have their own convictions, have their own emotions, have their own needs, their goals for you. But if you do not understand their voices, if you do not listen to the voices of your own ego parts, then they come across your mind, they come across your consciousness, and they standing in the way of really listening to someone else. So this discovering of your own self, your own ego parts, that's really important to understand yourself, self-knowledge, but also become less attached to it so that you can start listening to someone else, knowing that your own consciousness is distorted by the distortion of your own ego parts. So the ego parts meaning um, what are our opinions, our biases, or our, our perspective on one thing, or um, how would you describe the ego parts, just to give some examples? Yeah, that's a good one. Ego parts are parts of your most of the unconscious self, and they are born anywhere in your life, sometimes to let you survive, and sometimes they are more conscious. But let's take an example. A little child whose mother died uh, is confronted with the death of his mother, but he or she can't stand it. So his system, his consciousness, put it away in his unconscious mind. And there, unconscious ego part is born, which believes my mother is still alive. And so he managed to survive in this situation where his unconscious says, well, nothing has changed, You're, you, there's no danger, you can survive. And his ego part says, well, everything is okay because otherwise it's too hard for this child to survive. So the, the emotions of this ego part is the fear of the death of his mother. And the conviction of this ego part is everything is okay. And the need of this ego part is to be safe as a child in this world mm -hmm. without a mother. Yeah. But of course, the mother is, is not alive anymore. So this ego part is anywhere in his system, giving him these convictions, giving him these feelings, giving him these needs. And like this one, we build up ego parts our whole life. And they were born anywhere in our lives and they have an influence. And they have voices. They are telling us things in our minds, saying everything is okay. Or one of my ego parts is I'm, most of the time, I'm too late for appointments. So one of my ego parts is I want to be manager of my own time. Another, another ego part of me is I want to be friendly for people. So those two ego parts in myself have a struggle. I want to be on time. But often I'm too late. And it's an inner conflict in my because different ego parts have different needs for me and different convictions. So there, well, this is a more psychological 
explanations of how this inner conflict can work in yourself and all those voices and all those needs and all those different thoughts can have an influence in your consciousness and also can be in the way of what you're telling yourself and listened to another. I was just thinking about some conversations that I had recently also in the organizational context where someone had had a negative experience in politics, let's say politics in a past job, you know, where they had built up a team and then from one day to the other restructuring, the team was dispersed, you know, um, without any awareness that this would happen. And so that created an ego moment, as you describe, I think. And then you see that, you know, how does that show up in the next job or the next situation where something comes up where there's this fear that this might happen again, and then behaviors might impact how I respond in this situation or react versus respond. And just by being aware, because it probably was impacting the whole time, but just to become aware, oh, this was a past experience. This might be impacting my response right now. That probably helps the dialogue that you're talking about for the different voices to work themselves out. True. Perfect yeah. example. Yeah. And uh, you build up your new experiences and your, your new conversations with people based on those ego parts who says, well, I have to be... Uh, I have to defend myself against new losses of jobs or new restructures. So uh, uh, organizations, I can't trust them. That can be a conclusion. And so we have all of those ego parts in ourselves with, with those emotions, with those convictions. And if we are not aware of them, there are a kind of filter between what someone is telling us and what we can hear. And if we know them, we can put them aside and can be opened for someone else. So getting to know your ego parts and all those influences in your consciousness, that's the purpose of listening to yourself Mm. so that you can get rid, not get rid of them, but be not influenced by them. Yeah. I know you talk a lot about, you know, that those, those situations cause noise, you know, they're like a noise. And then how do we help, move past the noise where we can get to more of a, let's say a silence, a calmness, um, a clarity, you know, this shifting to that. What I was curious about, so this thing with listening to ourselves, you know, how do we listen to ourselves? And um, we can take time just to do it ourselves and pay attention. And you've had, you know, you have a lot of different background in terms of also your work experience, also as a psychotherapist. But I wonder if to listen to ourselves, if we... Is it even possible to do it all by ourselves or is it necessary or helpful to have other people, whether it's just a good friend, whether it's, you know, I guess you were a psychotherapist for some people because that's for deeper, maybe for deeper, there's lots of layers, there's more surface layer things and more deeper layer things. There's all different layers. And if you have any thoughts about how having people who listen to us can help support that listening to ourselves. Yeah, well, I guess... I guess it's an illusion to think that we can learn about all our ego parts. We'll never manage to do that. So there are always ego parts we don't know yet in ourselves. And that doesn't really matter, but it depends on how, how they are influencing us. If they are standing really in our way, then we need, might maybe need some help 
with them to be at ease with a kind of ego parts and then you can go to a psychotherapist if you if it's really hard but you can also use a friend a good friend to talk to you and well i see you doing this i see you i hear you talking about this how is that for you uh, how does it feel and that's the importance of listening to someone else that you help others discovering their own ego parts listen to their ego parts so that they can be heard but still, this is listening at an, at an ego level. And when you're listening to someone else, in my opinion, you can do it with your personality. And your personality, it's the yeah, it's psychological structure that can take the lead, that can take the lead in listening, that can take the lead of all our ego parts and say, well, I hear you, ego part, but I don't want to listen to you. I want to listen to... Raquel, so step aside with your conviction about what she's saying or how she uh, how she expresses it. Just be open to her. And with my personality, I can take this leadership. And that this is leadership in listening, that you are able to extract from your ego parts and be open to listen to someone else. And listen to the other means that you are listening to her or his ego parts and help this person clarifies their own thoughts and feelings and, and ego parts, etc. That's the second step. And the third step is that both of you can let go of their ego parts and listen together to the bigger picture where you are standing for the cause of why you're having this conversation or what you want to achieve together. So if we, t we take that example of moving from ego to your personality, which is, you know, let's say who I am as Raquel or who you are as Victor, you know, um, to this where both people are like right now in this conversation, um, we have our personalities. We're able to, we're, we're going to put our egos away, what um, our thoughts, our expectations, and just try to be open to each other. And um, to see where the conversation goes, which is more the big picture, what 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 kind of what does what wants to happen in this conversation? Um, if we're going to look at the business context and considering someone who's managing a team, um, are you able to describe um, how this model or this way of thinking can support a manager with their team? Well, obviously, uh, in the training, we, we have all kinds of executives. Sometimes there are CEOs from big companies. Sometimes there are um, people who are managers from little teams. But they all have in common that they are listening to their team members. And, well, this applies for them as well. They first have to listen to themselves of what am I thinking of this person? What am I thinking of this team? What are my convictions of how we should work together? And can you let go of it and really be open to your team member? So first listen to yourself as a manager, then be open to listen to, to your team members. And when you are there and you have a situation that you're really open 
together. Then you can strive to listen to, as you described it, what's going to happen in this, what wants to happen in our organization or in our team. What is the bigger goal of why we are in a team, why we are in this organization? And this bigger picture, um, are we open to serve it? Or am I serving my ego that I want to be the boss or I want to have power or I want to earn money? So it's really a matter of uh, choice where you want to listen to. Is it your own needs or is it the bigger picture of where we are serving this organization of or this bigger picture or why we are together in a team where I am the manager by chance. From from some of the experiences and the leaders that you've worked with, you know, your your, your book is even about, you know, leadership in listening. How um when you describe what you just described, what what the, and I'm just thinking about the stories that you've heard from some of the leaders. Are there any stories that you could share that show how this type of listening, leadership and listening, is having an impact on how they lead? Yeah. Well, it may sound surprising, maybe it's scary, but for many of the leaders, it's really the first time sometimes that they realize themselves that they are so bound by their ego and you have to be able to to see this in broader perspective for example a director of a company who says well i was always the best uh, boy in class and that's often with these executives they're always the smartest in the group and have the biggest voice but then they realize this, I'm here, I come so far with my ego, but I want to serve my ego, not anymore, but I want to serve this bigger picture. So unless, uh, no, uh, I have this strong ego, but I make the conscious choice to let go of it and realize that when I'm really connected with other people, really connected with my team members, then we can grow much further than when I keep doing what I always did with my ego. And this realization is really a relief sometimes. And when you are realizing that you are in a course where you can try to be a better listener, then you have already made a big step because one of the main problems in this whole matter is people do not really realize the richness of what listening can bring them and their organizations. For example, one of the board of directors in the United Nations was in one of our courses and he said, well, listening is at the heart of the United Nations and we have forgotten about it sometimes because if one country can listen to another country then there will be less difficulties between those countries so this do not only applies in a team or as a manager but this applies on 
global level as well. And when I realized that, and we were working together now on this matter, then you can see that listening can heal wounds, not only on interpersonal level, but also at global level. So it's not only about teams or managers, it's also about countries and also about humanity. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And the thing is, is just to say, hey, we need to listen to each other. That doesn't work. No, no. <laughs> that doesn't work. It's, it's really a, a lifelong process. And it's uh, so much more to integrate or to bring in listening like you're talking about to have that type of impact um, means that it's not about doing something new. It's about bringing in this type of listening, this really, um, this listening that try, sh making sure that my needs are taken care of, the other needs are taken care of. And then can we shift that aside to listen to something that really has impact, you know, <laughs> and that can be from in all different levels, you know, on one-on-ones with teams at board level through technology, listening through technology and actually then really listening and, and working with it, you know, how to respond from there. So it's um, on one hand, it's, it's quieting the mind and the ego. So that's probably where that relief comes from that you spoke about that leaders have like, oh, I can actually let go of that. That's a relief. That's a weight off my shoulders. Knowing though that those parts are always a part of us, right? And at the same time, it's not a passive thing. It's very active. It's responsive somehow. It's like partnering. It's partnering with what shows up to know what to do next. Um, so those are just some thoughts that came to me right now. So Victor, before we get into talking about listening culture in an organization, going a little bit deeper there, would you be able to explain to me your approach with the model that you have? Because you talk about these different, you talk about seven levels and you talk about those three orientations and we've, we've mainly focused on the orientations so far. When you've described your approach and what I've experienced in our training is you help participants also in this listening course where you're working with um, C-level for nine weeks that they're practicing this listening skill for nine weeks <laughs> and that just getting started, it's pretty amazing. You help people to, to not only become aware of this ego, but you help them let go of noise, you know, and I think a lot of us are very busy in our minds, busy with lots of things going on in the world. And you help us, you help to help release or let go of all this noise so that we can experience silence and then listen in a way that has this, uh, impact or this is where the leadership and listening shows up. I'd love to hear more about what does it mean to let go of noise? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> okay. Well, noise, I call it distortion, but let's call it noise in this uh, podcast. I think there are different kinds of noise. And the noise is that that is coming between you and the other person or it blocks your consciousness to really listen. That's my definition of distortion or of noise. And I figured out that there are at least seven kinds of 
distortion of noise. And since I figured out those seven, I also thought, well, then there should be seven levels of listening. And all those levels have their own distortion. And if we quickly move across those seven layers, the first one is about the distortion of the shortage of energy. It's that you, your lack of energy makes that you're not able to really listen to someone else or to yourself. If you have not enough energy, you're unable to do that. So at this basic level, I name it, I name it self-focused listening, you listen to your, your own energy housekeeping system and getting rid of the lack of energy, this kind of distortion, is something else than to get rid of another kind of distortion at another level. So first, let's go th quickly through those seven layers of different distortion and then take an example of how you can get rid of one of them. So the first one is about self-focused listening and the distortion is lack of energy. The second kind of distortion is lack of attention because when you're thinking of something during listening, then your attention is on your own thoughts instead of on what someone's saying. The lack of attention is the second kind of distortion, second kind of noise. The third one is your selfish desires. It's about selective listening, that your own needs are more important than the needs of someone else. And when you listen to needs on the third level, the selfish desires can be of noise. The fourth kind of distortion is when you're trying to listen to both of your feelings. It's the fourth level of empathic listening. And there the distortion is fear, fear of being with those emotions, fear of that someone else is hurting you or what he say is hurting you. The fifth level of listening is cognitive listening, where you listen to both of your thoughts. And there the distortion is your judgment, because you think from your ego parts that you are right and he is wrong. So your judgment can be a hinder or a noise, distortion, to really openly listening to the thoughts of someone else. The fifth listening level is synergic listening, synergetic listening, and there you listen to the unknown. And that may be strange sounds, a sound strange. <laughs> this is listening to something you do not really know already. And where you can listen on level five and say, yes, but I think it's the other way. On listening level six, you think, I don't know what you're saying, but it's interesting to find new ways. So listening to the unknown is something you can build up to create something new. And that's what you do on the synergetic level. And there, the distortion can be egoism. Egoism of, well, I would that it is my idea, or when I'm talking with you in this way, uh, where are my needs gone? So this egoism can be part of noise to be really creative on a synergetic level. And on the seventh listening level, 
you're listening to silence. And that maybe sounds strange also, listening to silence. And what the distortion is at this level is the distortion of our ego in general. So that we are thinking or that we are feeling. And every thought and every feeling or every bodily expression can be a distortion there because it hinders the silence. So those seven layers are the seven kinds of uh, signals you can listen to when you are in contact with someone else. Am I making myself clear for you? Yes. I mean, for me, let's maybe you can bring in the example that you mentioned. And I think that would be really helpful. Which layer would you like me to explain? How about uh, layer five, listening to your own convictions? Thoughts. Or these are, yep. Yeah. Well, when you listen to yourself on level five, you listen to your own convictions. When you listen to someone else, you listen to the convictions of someone else. And you try to listen to the inspiration of other people. But when your own convictions are so um, so hard, then it's maybe impossible to listen to what someone else has to say. So he is not able to inspire you because of your own convictions. So letting go of your own convictions and letting go of your own judgments, which comes to, to this conviction, makes you able to let someone else inspire you. And when you're open for his inspiration, then you can go to the next level, to that synergetic level where you build up on each other's convictions or each other's ideas. And if you're finding it a hard time to let go of this uh, judgment, well, it's time you start listening without judgment. And letting go of your ego means at this cognitive level, letting go of the convictions you have from this ego part so that you can really listen without judgment to someone else. And of course, it's easier said than done. And one of the things you can try to do as a thought experiment is, for example, think that when you're talking with someone, normally you can think a hundred thoughts while you are talking so to someone. But imagine that all of your thoughts are written on the wall behind you. There's a white screen and all your thoughts are written there. And the persons who you are talking with can read those sentences on the wall. What happens then? Then you say, oh, I don't want him to see this thought, so I don't want to think about it. Okay, then you stop thinking. You stop thinking with from this conviction. And when that happens, then it becomes silence in your head. I did this experiment for a few time, for a few uh, months, and it became quieter and more quiet and more quiet in my head. Because every time I think, well, what kind of ugly shirt 
yes, uh, yes. <laughs> then I thought, well, he can read my thoughts, so I'm hurting him. I don't want it, so I want to stop this thought. So this is a, an experiment which you can use to try to be less judgmental. Yeah. I was thinking this is probably a great experiment also as a as a parent with their child <laughs> to practice yeah. this, you know, yeah. because of a lot of the thoughts that we go on, you know, that, that go on about our our expectations, what we think is the right way to do things, how quick they should respond, you know, these types of things. Yeah. And um, because people probably even if we don't say it out loud, they probably receive what's going on in your mind anyway, you know, so to pay exactly. attention to that. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. But we don't always realize that. And yeah, so we, don't we think, that. well, we can think all our thoughts, all our convictions, and it doesn't harm anybody else. But it, it does. It harms your own non judgmentality, it harms your openness, and so on and on. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about what you just described, and I'm thinking about you hear a lot in organizations that they want, um, you know, younger professionals or people to speak out to share information to brainstorm or to give you know to figure things out to speak out more at the same time it could be that there's a meeting and the management the upper the the ones with senior more senior level will speak first because there's this assumption or conviction that I'm lead you know what I have to say matters and I'll get it started even if I you know, and I give my opinion first, and then I want everybody else to share their opinion, but then everyone's silent. And there's a, there's something in that conviction that I'm first, or in my agenda, and then it shuts everything else down, where if first, letting go of that conviction, and just spending time listening to everyone else's voice first before speaking, would open things up right there and to be interested in letting that person inspire you and then see what you would say as a leader at the, at the end of the conversation. Yeah. I think just shifting the order of who speaks when <laughs> yeah. might even help impact this. I think you're totally right. And what we do in our training is give them simple exercises of order of talking. Who's talking first, who's talking second. And those structures really helps to listen because for example when you share time and have exactly same the same time to speak then both of you can share their thoughts or when you have a certain order first you then he then she then he then etc etc then you know well i can speak when it's my turn and then you don't have to worry about uh, speaking at this moment because you speak when it's your turn and so this order of who's talking and who's listening really helps to listen better to each other yeah yeah because we do have a fear that we're not going to be able to be heard and it is true often <laughs> in yeah, the patterns true. yeah and it's true <laughs> yeah. and it happens even if someone tries to listen better and then they don't get their and then they let everyone go and then the time's up and they haven't had a chance to voice things, then that's exactly. actually not been facilitated well, you know, in, in that particular moment. And, and, you know, I really believe that, that developing facilitation skills, leaders developing facilitation skills so that voices are heard or there's an opportunity for people to speak out what is needed, you know, if they need to, also to not make sure there's certain dom people dominating the conversation and also finding ways to facilitate in ways that's that moves past the ego but moving what's moving the group forward 
you know, having questions that lead the group in that way, role modeling that, having the structures, um, that learning those facilitation skills can make a huge impact in terms of listening culture, just that. <laughs> and it's working, yeah. you know, with such a, what's already there. It's just shifting how it's done in that moment. True. Well, it's about those facilitation skills, I guess. And before that, it has to start with that people want to listen. Yeah. Because if you don't want to listen, no amount of structure of facilitation will help. So first we have set the, the the playing field of, hey, people, do we really want to listen to each other? Do we really want to go to this bigger picture or do we want to put our own interests in place? And just when we agree on going to this bigger picture, then the facilitation is much easier than we don't do that because... Well, we are inside of ourselves. We are waiting for our turn and then we come up with our ego problems and do not listen to the other as well. So before facilitating, there should be some agreement of, hey, how do we want to communicate in this meeting? Yeah, and to do that together, yeah. To do that together, that's very important. That's very mm -hmm. important because then you got an agreement or, okay, so you trust the process that you can speak out if you want to. Right. And that you know someone will listen. Exactly. Or at least try to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And to uh, really check in to see if what I'm listening to is really what's being, what's meant, or is it just my ego listening to its par the parts that I want to hear? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or my assumptions about the person. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the listening part for me, the essence of it is, can we get rid of our egos? Can we really be open to someone else without our ego standing in the way? So if we're going to do that, then we start listening to someone else. Otherwise, we only listen to ourselves, to our own ego thoughts. So that's, for me, it's the secret about listening. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is it, it takes practice to get to that point. And yet, it's so much lighter. It's so much more energizing <laughs> and it has so much more impact that it's, uh, it's worth it. <laughs> and I think once people recognize the value and they have those experiences, then the, it's like, oh, we want more of that. <laughs> and here you are exactly at the point where my question is, Raquel. Mm -hmm. And my question is, how do we get organizations be aware of their poor listening skills and the value of listening because they only know it when they experience it. Mm -hmm. And they only are going to do it if they have the experience that, well, listening, despite my ego, will gain our organization and myself much more than when I'm doing it with my ego. But they only recognize it if they have already done it so it's a uh, in dutch we got a kip of eye and uh, the chicken or the egg which comes first <laughs> story so and and that's really my question how do we get organizations to become aware of the power of listening yeah. because everyone says yes it's important but, but which organizations really has a good listening culture 
<laughs> very few. <laughs> yeah, very well, that, few. That's my question yeah. for the, for this yeah. moment. And I'm addressing this question in the ILA. It's an international listening organization. You know it very well. And I addressed it there. So how are we going to make organizations aware of this cultural problem that we do not have a listening culture and that they can benefit at a large scale of better listening. Yeah. And we, we are we are going to work on it because yeah. I ain't got a solution for that at this moment. Yeah. Well, let's just say that anybody who's listening on this podcast, who's a pioneer at heart, then you're at the right place. Because right, this is about pioneering a new path. And it doesn't mean that it has to be a whole new thing. I really believe, Victor, that we can, if we just bring in some of these listening things into what's already happening into organizations, you know, in meetings that are already happening and conversations that are already happening with stakeholders and just shift how that's done with each other. Plus, um, plus it would be nice to bring in the listening training to give these experiences that that would, that would make a huge impact. It's not like starting a whole new project and wearing people out. Yes. Having some training. Yes. Having regular times to play and practice where there's no expectations of outcome. You know, I love, that's what I love about facilitating listening labs. There's no expectations of outcomes. We're just playing with listening and usually letting go of those outcomes. It's amazing what people experience and what they take out of it when there's no expectations of outcomes. And then actually more happens. And to have a space where that can be done regularly with each other and the um, side effect is relationships are built, partnerships are built, new ideas come out. You know, there's there's a side effect that's very informal from those experiences. And I think it's really important, and this is what you're doing with the program and Erasmus, and you know, what I've done with some of my some of the training that I've been doing is to partner up with researchers that can measure the impact on business outcomes, because business leaders also want to, you know, needs like to have the numbers or like to see what the outcome outcome is. And there's a huge, I think the more we can show that, the more organizations that are open to being able to research this and to show what the outcomes are, I think that will also support the process. So it's um, needing pioneers, it's multi-stakeholders, it's finding simple, easy ways to bring in something and know that it's not just a one-off thing, it's something that's over time. And we need organizational designers to think about it. We need leadership and de- uh, learning and development. We need HR. We need all these people, leaders who are willing to support and role model, and be willing not to be perfect. <laughs> you know. Um, so that was a yeah. lot of. That was my idea, my brain just coming out and letting it all out, Victor. <laughs> I think I think you're right because what we do in the training is it works every time. The problem is. Not that we are not able to train people, but the problem is that they have to start and they have to recognize that it's very useful. So I agree with you that we have to show in research that it helps organization in this and this and this and this manner, in this quantity. So this organization did this training and it helps them get to uh, 100 million more revenues, something like that. When we got this kind of figures, then people really start the the value in, in money-wise, in ego terms, let's say. And the ego. Then we got to go back to the ego. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Our listening has to talk to the ego. Then the egos are starting to listen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. How do you tap into the egos? And that's part of, you know, understanding what the needs are of the other person. So once you're able to listen to yourself, then understanding the needs, what others need to be able to listen to that, to bring those in. And, and there are, you know, some people who are trying to see how do we do this? And I, and I do think also from, from uh, the people who are really interested in trying to discover what does that mean? I mean, we're, if we get some of us together and listen to this big picture, that some really great ideas can show up in ways that have not been explored before and can have a huge impact. So what's your dream? What's your big dream, Victor? <laughs> what's, what's driving you well, that's, with that's all this a, work you're doing? That's a changing question because it's a changing question because I was dreaming about a, a method which can be applied to organizations. And then I wrote this book, so this dream was fulfilled. Then I dreamed, well, it would be nice if we got trainings of people from big companies like Nike or like Unilever or even the United Nations. And we already did that. And it worked also there. So we're working, we're starting to work now with these big companies to implement listening in those organizations. But it goes very, very slow. So my dream now is that in a few years that every big organization have its chief listening officer and really are busy implementing listening in their organization on a global scale. So the benefits of listening can be spread around the world and make this world a better place. That's my dream. Wonderful dream. Well, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate... Um, all the, the work that you did to even, uh, to bring even this book. I mean, that was what, seven years of your life for that to even show up. And now the, all this, all the work that's going into these, these trainings and the support of Erasmus University and also with the researchers. So there's a lot happening and it's great to have people like you with this drive <laughs> to make our world a better place. And so really appreciate you, Victor. Thank you Thank very you much for, this, for being uh... here. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for this opportunity to speak out and to build together at a world where all of us can be better listeners. Yeah. Victor, if people want to get in contact with you and find you and are interested in learning more about leadership and listening, also about the training program, how do they contact you and find you? Oh, that's one of my uh, problems. I'm not that uh, good businessman in contact information. So I got a website, uh, connaissance.nl, because there is also a connaissance in uh, in America, I guess. Connaissance.nl um, at the Erasmus University uh, is E-U-R... Dash. 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 <laughs> not, not a lower dash, but a middle dash. Yeah, the dash. E-U-R dash... <laughs> leiderschapinluisteren.nl but maybe the link leadershipandlistening.com should work as well mm -hmm. well we're gonna we'll take the links and we'll put them at the bottom of the notes so that everybody knows that you can go to the notes and find the links so you can get in contact with Victor also on LinkedIn we can put your LinkedIn connection there Beautiful. Um, check out the leadership and listening website with Erasmus University and then there's you know your individual website, Knessence. I would be grateful if you would do that, uh, Raquel. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. All right, Victor, it's been a pleasure. Likewise.
I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope that you are inspired by this episode of Listen In. So now's the time for you to grow your listening superpower so that you can have lasting impact. I'll be launching a new workshop in May of 2021. This workshop will be experiential, it will be in person, well, on Zoom, and we'll learn and practice seven listening superpowers that really work, proven by science. If you go to my website now at www.listeningalchemy.com, you can sign up there and I'll keep you updated on when the dates are. Let me know that you heard about this workshop on my podcast and you'll get a 30% discount. Also, subscribe and like this podcast, sharing it with others so that we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo T-Man for producing the music, Cecilia Mercado for getting the podcast set up, and Betsy Johnson for her amazing artwork. Enjoy listening in. Listening in.